It's DTS 103, and we have a mega article from Kotaku, an interview with Irk and Chris Barrett. If you're upgrading from a last-gen or legacy console, it's kind of complicated, so stick around. Listening to Destiny the Show. What's up, everybody? I'm BBK Dragoon, and welcome to Destiny the Show, the Destiny News podcast that keeps you ahead of the curve. My awesome, amazing co-host Diddy is here. How was your week, man? It was pretty hectic. I had a rough work week, but uh, powered through it, and looking forward to next week. I have a new PlayStation Four controller. So I can finally play Destiny again. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, I don't think I ever mentioned this, but the tr- right trigger on my original controller, uh, the spring kind of sticks after you press it. So if I'm holding like a machine gun or an auto rifle, I can just press down the trigger and let go of the controller and it will continue to fire. That's uh, obviously not what you want <laughs> in, no. in a shooter. No. Uh, so I finally got a new one. I got a new PlayStation Plus as well, so I am back on the Destiny grind on the PlayStation 4. Sony filed new patents, I think that's what they are, for some new controllers, actually, and people are speculating that these are new PlayStation 4 Pro controllers, kind of like the Xbox One Elite, like, higher version controller with the paddles that you can attach. This one had buttons, kind of like right beneath the grips and they move the options and the share button so if that comes to fruition uh that would be really awesome because i've heard that right trigger sticking thing is kind of a common issue right yeah and plus it was an original playstation 4 it was like one of the launch ones so yeah obviously there's going to be some uh technicalities and difficulties there with the hardware so glad i finally got an upgrade with being a busy week did you play any destiny did you boot up that ps4 did you boot up the x1 I uh, patched Destiny on the PlayStation 4. I logged in. I didn't. Uh, I just went to the tower. Got a Sterling Treasure on the PlayStation. Yeah. Um, nothing too mm-hmm. notable there. Uh, just some of those new delicious chromas. That's really nice. I want. Uh, but I didn't get to play much now because I've been. Uh, I put in about a 60-hour work week. To be honest. Yuck. Yeah. Yep. Dude, I got a really sick grasp of Malik. A really. Nice. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> that is counterbalance. Nice. Small bore feeding frenzy oh, and it does have fitted stock too so i could throw the but i like the counterbalance small bore feeding frenzy i think it needs a rifled barrel in the middle perk oh it also had the o-res sight so it's like perfect except i think the middle tier one you're supposed to have rifled barrel i'm not positive on that but oh dude it's so good counterbalance feeding frenzy oh plus it looks nice it's just white reminds me of my oversoul edict just a little bit <laughs> it's a motivator i'm telling you what, when i'm thinking about booting up destiny i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna bust out that guy once again so other than that i ordered the last of us remastered as a recommendation from our dts discord family nice. and i'm gonna give that a go so everybody in there was like dude you, you gotta try it i think it might be a good time to shout out the dts discord where is it and what is it so it's discord.me slash destiny the show and it is basically it's kind of like skype mixed with other awesome things but it's voice you can use voice chat you can use text chat there's a bunch of different channels for different topics there's also an lfg for each console 
um, and you get to meet up with other DTS listeners and fans and just talk about anything and everything. Yep, I play PvP pretty regularly with different folks in there. Got to do that this week as well, so enjoying it. And then, of course, there's Overwatch on the back burner. Uh, a few more housekeeping things. DTS 104, our two-year anniversary, is next week. We've got some cool stuff planned. That's all I'm going to say. So don't miss out next week, our two-year anniversary. Time flies, doesn't it, dude? It really does, yep. All right, speaking of that, we got a lot to talk about in a little time. Let's hop into the news. News! This week at Bungie, did they finally fix all the stuff? They finally did. Hotfix 2301 is out. Whoa, whoa. That's me chanting because (laughs) Iron Banner is coming back. So they had to cancel Iron Banner, and it was looking like, you know, Trials was maybe, but they got the hotfix out in time. Trials came back. Why were they on the potential cancellation floor? Yes, just because there were a lot of PvP technicality issues, like we talked about last week, the two damage glitch um, and invisible people, they didn't want that um, flowing into a competitive game mode like Iron Banner or Trials. Yeah, I heard people were still having trouble in, like, orbit, syncing data to the servers, so you'd show up as, like, a level zero and not be able to load into matches or anything like that. So it's good mm-hmm. that they delayed it, but, man, 2-3 brought with it a lot of little bugs. <laughs> yeah, too many. I know they're still working on quite a few of those, but next in the weekly update, Grant Mackay, our good old sandbox designer, usually the gentleman responsible for nerfing the subclasses, Brought a chart. My exact show notes are Grant Mackay tells hunters to shut up and look at his chart. He uses the hunter's tears to brine his stake. Seriously, Mackay is ruthless. But then I write my own words. Ha, hunters deal with it. So yeah, what does the chart show, Diddy? And it was basically a reaction to the Blade Dancer and Gunslingers being like, no, please don't. (laughs) Yeah, so it shows um, all nine, I was about to say six, all nine (laughs) (laughs) subclasses. Um, PvP, 6v6, kill death ratio by subclass and the top two by a large margin are blade dancer and gunslinger those are the top two holding about uh 1.05 and 1.1 kd somewhere in between there um just consistently over the last uh, couple months yep and this is in response to there's a lot of negative feedback for the hunter nurse wouldn't you say yeah, I would say so. A lot of things were, uh, I know, I definitely disagreed with a lot of the things, but after seeing this graph, I'm like, okay, if that was the case, then I understand about some of the changes. What is the phrase? Correlation doesn't always equal causation. So, you know, high kill-death ratio of these two classes, they institute some changes, but I mean, are those changes the right changes, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's It could be, you know, they have the really high... Um, KD ratio because of their super or not necessarily because of like the throwing knife or the um, trip mine sticking you know it, it's those types of changes that made me question why they did that um, but if it's uh, if they have a good reason then okay I can understand it you know what if hunters during the month of May just had a lot more Mountain Dew and Doritos than the other players exactly. I think that could be very possible you know yeah. Very plausible. Okay, but in in all seriousness, I love when they provide data. It's nice to see these things and say, hey, this is our justification for the changes. And everybody can rally around a nerf to Sunsingers, can't we? Isn't it nice? (laughs) Buy Firebolts. I'm just waving you away. Go away forever. All right. After that, they show the Elder Champions high scores. And I wrote here, does anybody really care? 
anymore? Does anybody, like, really play Challenge of Elders seriously anymore? Because for me, it's just like, time to see if I can get some 335 for my alts. Yeah, yeah, I would say at this point, people um, who are committed, really, really committed to playing the game um, um, more, I don't want to say seriously. Um, hardcore. Not casually. Use it. Say hardcore. So, hardcore players, fine. That's right. That's <laughs> the, right. Hard, more, the more hardcore players, you know, they're going to be looking for those thing, extra things to do. They're already mm-hmm. at 335, so they don't, they don't really need to do Challenge of Elders anymore. They're back on the PvP grind or whatever. And then at the end of the update, we get told, hey, Bungie Day is coming up on the seventh day of the month. We will honor, this is the seventh day of July, by the way, we'll honor a proud community tradition, one that was started by the community. Bungie Day has always been about the player. We'll celebrate your achievements and your creations, and we'll tell you how you can get in on that action when the day arrives. So you know what they're probably going to do, end quote, by the way. That's the day they're going to reveal year two moments of triumph. We know year two moments of triumph are a thing. Uh, People have already data mined what we think the... Uh, laundry list of check marks you need to do to earn your year two moments of triumph. I'm going to wait to talk about it. I think Diddy and I both agree we should wait to talk about it when it's actually official, right? Yeah, I, I would say so. We can speculate all we want, but until the official word comes out, we don't know for sure. New listeners, what was year one moments of triumph? We earned our emblem from doing it, but to somebody who never saw it, what was it? It was completing a bunch of memorable moments in year one of destiny so defeating atheon uh, defeating crota defeating skolos those types of things were associated with uh, moments of triumph and you complete i think seven of them um, and you um, get a special emblem in game to show off to all your other fans yeah, and fans, there's a due date on it. Like, you, you had to do it by X date. Otherwise, yep. it was like, can't get it. So it's it's one of the few really exclusive timed thingies that you can get. So that's going to do it for the weekly update. Next, we have information about upgrading from a legacy console. That would be the PlayStation 3 or 360. That's what Bungie is referring to as a legacy console. Starting August 2016, a bunch of changes are happening. With that... Progress sharing between consoles, come this August, that's no longer going to work. So right now, if you have a, a 360 character and you log into that same account on the Xbox One and have Destiny, you can use that same character and, and all that progress. It's all the same. and You can go back and forth. Can't do that anymore after August 2016. Also, when August 2016 happens, legacy consoles are no longer going to be receiving Bungie updates for Destiny, and that's actually a quote that I'll talk about here in a second from their FAQ article. With that update, Diddy, we're losing some stuff. What are the legacy consoles no longer going to have access to? Trials of Osiris, Iron Banner, Live Events, and Rise of Iron. Of course. Yeah, so once August gets here, you're not going to be able to participate in Trials, Iron Banner, or the future live events. The, The live events, kind of obvious. Trials and Iron Banner? I did not expect that, did he? Yeah, neither did I. But I guess it kind of makes sense because if you can't progress through with your gear, with the new content, you're just going to get stomped. You're not going to be able to be eligible for those endgame PvP events because you're not going to have the gear for it. Yeah, and it creates probably a huge mess of technical problems on the back end if they keep supporting that stuff. But what are some of the events that will still be available on Legacy consoles? Heroic Missions and Strikes daily and weekly crucible challenges raid and boss challenges the current ones only so none of the new stuff none of the rise of iron stuff prison of elder and challenge of the elders is still available 
arms day orders and test weapons are still going to be available. And Xur, he's still going to be available on legacy consoles, but he's going to be a little bit updated and modified. So he's no longer going to sell individual exotic weapons and armor pieces. Instead, he's going to sell encrypted exotic engrams um, that will decrypt into year two exotics. Encrypted legacy engrams will continue to be sold and will decrypt into year one exotics. Heavy ammo sense, three of coins, vehicle upgrades, motes of light, and glass needles will be sold on legacy consoles. Mm -hmm. And some changes to Eververse. So the majority of the methods for purchasing silver will be disabled on legacy consoles come this August. So the in-game buy silver button is going to be removed. The PS3 silver add-ons that you can buy from the PSN and on web browsers will be disabled. Same thing with the Xbox 360 and its store. Um... That's kind of obvious, right? Now, we're going to talk about character importing here in a second, but if you import your legacy console character to next gen and then go back to your legacy console character, he will not have your Eververse items anymore. All right? And we'll talk about character importing here in just a second. All of the year two Eververse stuff can still be rewarded on legacy consoles. Those are the emote mystery bags, the sterling treasure. That stuff can still be awarded to you, but you're not going to have many options to actually buy silver. Legacy consoles, and here's a quote, will no longer receive game updates after August 2016. Any changes made to the Eververse items and the rewards in future updates, they're not going to be coming to the legacy consoles. So... Let's talk about upgrading a Destiny account, Diddy. So, like we said before, the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 consoles will be considered legacy consoles and will no longer receive the major updates and content releases. PS3 can upgrade to PS4. 360 can upgrade to Xbox One. No cross-platform upgrade. So, if you have a 360 and you want to go to PlayStation 4, you cannot transfer your characters that way. Yep. In August, those wishing to upgrade to the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One will need to perform an account import. Also, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One players, that's current players, will, will need to perform an account import as well. So everyone, in, except those remaining on legacy consoles, will need to import their accounts. Yes, and we don't know exactly how the import's going to work. It's probably going to be through Bungie.net. I'm sure it'll be well advertised in the game as well as surrounding materials. But we think this import process is just something for their back-end optimization, something to do with their data management that's going to streamline this process a little better, right? Yeah, it's it's like, you know, when you're traveling somewhere on an airplane, they have to know how many seats they're going to need for that certain trip, you know, whether they're going to need a 747, a 777, what kind of size airplane do they need? They need to know who's going to move on to current-gen-only Destiny. Mm -hmm. And what am I going to need in order to purchase or pre-order Rise of Iron? The Taken King. You have Boom. to own the Taken King to pre-order or purchase Rise of Iron. Yes, and that is an 
an absolute quote from the FAQ about this, you guys. And I was a little bit surprised to see that. I kind of had hoped in the back of my mind that, you know, say there's a year one player who didn't buy the Taken King and they look at Rise of Iron, they're going, I want to get back in this. I was hoping they weren't going to have to purchase Taken King in order to buy the Rise of Iron. But yes, you must have Taken King in order to purchase or pre-order the Rise of Iron. And this is the real stinger for legacy console players. Destiny, the Taken King is not eligible for the digital upgrade program. As such, players that are upgrading from a legacy console to PlayStation 4 or Xbox One will need to repurchase Destiny the Taken King to access content from that expansion. So real quick, let's rewind. The digital upgrade program was something that they instituted back in 2015, where if you had Dark Below and House of Wolves and you upgraded to next gen, they awarded you Dark Below and House, House of Wolves for Xbox One or PS4 for free. That's not happening with the Taken King. So if you're looking to get into Rise of Iron and you're a legacy console player, you have, and this is a quote, you will need to repurchase the Taken King. Ugh, it stings, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that, that really blows because Rise of Iron, they're like, oh, it's $30. It's a great price point. Yeah, but you're going to have to pay for the Taken King again. And you and I were talking about this in the pre-show. Personally, I don't anticipate this to be the norm moving forward. I think it has to do with dropping off legacy consoles and doing all of this software and hardware upgrades to Destiny. Yeah. And it's just this one massive pothole that you have to drive over to continue on. Um, and mm-hmm. I know we both understand that it really sucks, but I guess it has to happen. Mm-hmm. Neither of us can really sit in the shoes of a legacy console player because we're just not there. We we made the upgrade, we made the bump, but for a long time, I did not want to get Xbox One. I just really didn't. It was like, ah, oh, Halo 5 or MCC's coming out. I have to do it because that's something I enjoy. But yeah, I, I just wish in the future they'd sort this stuff out because, again, it's pretty complicated, the whole process, if you're a 360 or a PS3 player. We're one of the first people, I think, really publicizing this FAQ that has this information. I didn't see it in any of the recap videos no. saying, look, man, you're going to need to repurchase the Taken King so you can yeah. buy Rise of Iron if you're a legacy console person. It's, yeah. it's exactly. Mm. It's like, I really hope that we see some type of bundle, you know, mm. Rise of Iron plus the Taken King for those types of upgrades. Yeah. $40 instead of $30. So you only have to pay $10 yeah. for the Taken King again. Uh, I really hope we see something like that, but they haven't announced anything at this point. Um, if they're gonna, if you have to buy Taken King at a price point of forty dollars again, you're spending <laughs> seventy dollars just for the Rise of Iron. Plus, you have to drop all the money on a new console, and that's just, uh, man, it, it's convoluted. Uh, really unfortunate. Man. It's really unfortunate and confusing. Yep. Yep. I, I'm sure they're gonna mark the price down of the Taken King, but just guys. Please sort this out. We've gone through this now. This is the second time, okay? This this <laughs> stuff happened. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Iron Banner Clash is coming back on June 28th, and it's going to be pretty awesome. Why? Because it's a holiday weekend in the U.S. The 4th of July is Monday. I'm pretty excited. So I get a three-day weekend. Do you guys get the 4th off? Um, oh, I don't know, actually. I think so. We have four holidays off from work the whole year oh so we what well, new year's fixed Christmas? holidays fixed holidays okay you know, we, we get other days off um yeah. but yeah i think independence day is one of them okay yeah very good three-day weekend let's do it <laughs> what are the rewards class items 
of course, PlayStation class items, of course, helmets, PlayStation helmets, and machine guns, and scout rifles. We should play Iron Banner on the PlayStation 4 Diddy, so we can just hopefully get some of those PlayStation exclusive armor pieces, because I think they look good. Yeah, let's do it. All right, that brings us to the mega backbone of today's show. Kotaku published an article about a week ago when you're listening to the show. It's titled, Bungie Answers and Dodges Our Destiny Rise of Iron Questions, <laughs> and it's by Jason Schreier. I'm, I'm sorry, bro, your last name Schreier? is tripping me up. Schreier? Schreier. I'm just going to call him Jason, so that'll be easy. <laughs> it's an E3 interview with good old Chris Barrett and Eric Osborne, and I wanted to highlight some things. I'm amazed how under the radar this article seemed to fly because there's a lot of interesting information there about the new Cosmodrome, about what's happening with year three, the live team, SRL, PVE, PVP balancing, and we finally get a pretty good answer about why the old raids have not been updated. So let's start out with the new Cosmodrome information. So here's the deal. The new Cosmodrome that we've seen in pictures with the updated snow and icicles and effects, that is a part of the Plaguelands zone there will still be the old Cosmodrome zone. The way it works is, if I zone into the Plaguelands during Rise of Iron, I can navigate using my Sparrow back to the updated Cosmodrome with all the new effects and this, the snow and the changes. But if I select from my director right now on Earth, the Cosmodrome Patrol, I'm gonna get the same patrol that we've had since launch. And the reason for that is they don't want new players who just bought Destiny to see a bunch of level 40-somethings all zoning in, running off beyond the wall going, hey, what's going on over there? That's kind of confusing. <laughs> so that's pretty cool, right, Diddy? Yeah, it, it's actually really cool. So we understand that the Cosmodrome is being updated, right? We get that. So we're also getting the Plaguelands as our new patrol zone. I'm going to go there, and then I can go all the way back to the new Cosmodrome. So we're basically getting one and a half new patrol modes because, mm -hmm. yes, it's the Cosmodrome as we know and love, but it's new. Ooh. Yep. I like that. So they preserve what's there, but you can still try the new stuff. Makes mm -hmm. sense. Two zones. There you go. And then Schreier asks about the updates and the benefits of being on current gen only, and I quote here. Now that you guys are moving to PS4 and Xbox One, is there any new stuff that you can do other than graphical improvements? I've heard that some stuff got left on the cutting room floor in Vanilla Destiny because of cross-gen development. Are there any new mechanics you can use? And what did Barrett say, did he? Just the fact that we're adding new stuff. It's basically like we're all full up. Anything that's additive at this point, something has to go. Big stuff. So, ditching last gen allows Bungie to make the bucket bigger. And there are new bells and whistles and fun features that Bungie can do. In the past, we did have some differences between the platforms. We tried to keep those very limited because we want to make sure that whenever you're wherever you're playing Destiny, you're playing Destiny. If we're going to support a platform, we want it to feel like Destiny. We don't want to carve it like, oh, there's only one subclass or whatever it is. All the bones have to be there. We did have to make some compromises like the vault space or uh, with tabs, uh, things like that. In the past, they had to make sure that it'd be uh, a good experience for everybody. Mm -hmm. So, end quote, the real key thing there is they're full up. On last gen, they could not add any more things. They mentioned a little bit later in the interview that they didn't want to have to cut like House of Wolves because Rise of Iron's coming out. They needed more space. So there you go. You have a very clear-cut answer from a budgie employee 
legacy consoles were full up. There wasn't more that they could add. And yes, there were limitations. I know he played it off pretty smoothly. Like, no, it didn't affect design too bad. You and I, Diddy, speculatively believe it totally affected design big time. Yeah, the cup was full of water, and we wanted to Mm -hmm. add more water, and that's just not the case. (laughs) Next, Shreer asked them, should people expect the same sort of structure as the Taken King as far as you go in, there's a bunch of quests like that? That sort of rhythm, Barrett answers. So we have a brand new story campaign. We're adding a new social space. One of the things we've talked about is the campaign will start with taking back Fellwinter Peak. So you'll have to scale it and defeat the Fallen there, and then it turns into a social space. I think the pacing and the story and the setting are all completely unique. End quote. He's totally dodging, right, Diddy? <laughs> he did not answer that question. Nope. But not it, at this, all. Now, this now really confirms, yeah, it's the story mission that unlocks a social space. Congrats. <laughs> it's... What they're trying to dodge here is, is it as big as the Taken King? Is it like the Taken King? And it follows up here with Shur asking, what I mean is you go in, you start one quest, and then you have a bunch of other quests to pick up from. Are you following that structure? I assume the quest system is not changing. Barrett responds with, more or less, the quests that are there, the campaign itself, are going to be unique, and the pacing will be unique for Rise of Iron. Shreer asks, are you planning on overhauling any major features? Barrett responds, no. I mean, we have some stuff that we'll be announcing over the course of the summer, but really, like I said, we're really focusing, and then Irk interrupts, we're not burning any posts. We're actually in a fairly positive place where people are digging the April update. We just want to provide people with new story content, new stuff to do in the game, and boom. So (laughs) they're totally trying their best to say it's not as big as the Taken King, or setting up expectations for people to think it's as big as the Taken King. It's unique. That's what I get from all these responses. Like, dude, new story, <laughs> new stuff. It's unique. Stop it. Yeah, it's it's like, it's another way of saying the Taken King was great, but the Rise of Iron is going to be its own thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. going to be a little bit different. It's still going to be familiar in the fact that it's new content, but it's going to be a little bit un- more unique. You know, the fact that we're fighting the Fallen again, it's going to have different story pacing like that. You know, Oryx was this big, huge, imminent threat in the universe that's coming in and taking in and now this fallen is going to have a little bit different pace going to be a little bit more unique Mm -hmm. sure asks about pvp custom matches will we see it and barrett responds with the whole crucible pvp is something we're super excited to talk about so maybe down the line we'll roll saladin out talk about some iron banner stuff we'll definitely have a new pvp mode and maps end quote ah diddy we, we need custom games. <laughs> we need it. Don't I miss it. I fully anticipate a live stream this summer before Rise of Iron comes out detailing Crucible stuff. You know, mm. whether or yep. not that's an announcement of custom games, it's good. we're going to have some type of information uh, in a live stream, I bet. Mm-hmm. This next wall of text, I'm assigning you Irk, okay? And I'm going to be Shrer and, and, and Barrett, right? Sounds good? So I'm, I'm Irk? You're Irk. Okay. okay. So Schreier opens, I know you guys want to focus on September, but obviously people are concerned about the roadmap with Destiny 2. Presumably that's arriving next fall. Can you give us an idea of at least what the next year is going to look like content-wise? Wow, people are concerned. I mean, we've only been out 18 months. I think people talk about Destiny like it's been here for decades. 18 months. That's uh, This is our fourth expansion, 40-plus updates to the base game. I think the content pace is pretty normal. It's a, it's a nice problem to have that people want to know about more content. 
I think people want to know, is it going to be more DLC? Is it going to be live events? And then Barrett responds, the idea is all of the above, right? So we want to get to a place where we can ship a really great expansion like Rise of Iron and cool events like Festival of the Lost and that sort of the full library of stuff that we want to deliver. We want to keep more regular content for players. And then Irk, Barry is the guy who's in charge of all the live lane now. Is that really what it says? Yeah, okay. that's really what it says. Okay. <laughs> Let me restart that. <laughs> no, keep going. Okay, all right. Uh, so he's going to take up stewardish, stewardship of that. He's been around for 16 years and knows how to make players happy. But yeah, we definitely hear fans asking for more content. Obviously for us, coming from a world where we ship a game every three years to where we are now, we, where we ship a game and then support it. The amount of it, you've got to do the math. The the three like three updates a month or something, it's pretty different, unique experience. <laughs> the biggest problem we have right now is people are like, give us more. We want more stuff. Make more stuff faster. I think we want to say yes, we totally want to do that. But obviously, we want to make sure it's quality too. Rise of Iron could not be made in like a month. It's gotta take time to germinate. It's gotta have a story campaign. Boom. Okay, so what's really interesting there is like that last three sentences. The biggest problem they have right now is that they value quality. They want to give us more. They hear the players. They know that we want them to make more stuff faster, but they need to make sure it's quality. Bungie, as I was driving home today, just thinking about it, their artwork is incredible. But at the same time, I think the amount of effort they put into quality sometimes impacts very clearly the quantity of stuff that they could push out. I told you in the pre-show, Diddy, I'd be more than happy to have Forge Canvas average environment if there's really cool activities in it. I'm not saying remove quality assurance, but do you think they sometimes go a little bit overboard with one too many coats of paint, right? Yeah, yeah, I did use that analogy, didn't I? I think I, I said, I think Bungie likes to put on that seventh coat of paint before they they display it to the public, you know. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think two or three coats of paint would be enough, uh, but they're just doing it a little bit overdoing it, you know. The terms about quality is, yes, obviously, we want the, the content to be of high quality, but it doesn't have to be that perfect sphere to roll down the hill. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that was mentioned there at the end, where it says you have to have a story campaign. I would disagree with that fully. I think there's plenty of players who would pay for an expansion of two raids and not even care That's whatsoever it. if there's yep. extra story, you know? Yeah, if 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 it was like a live update, not necessarily a whole expansion, that was just Crota's end. People would mm-hmm. love the crap out of that because it yeah. was new content and it was exciting. They really work hard to tie lore with everything. And that's one of the benefits, but at the same time, it negates how fast or impacts how quickly we can get stuff. Yeah, and I don't, I had this brilliant idea earlier this week. I don't think I mentioned it last show. Grimoire is already written lore story missions that you can just create and push out in an an update. Grimoire live update expansions, whatever. Put that in a quest line. Put that in a story mission. You have the lore written. You have the story written. Just do that. Mm. Yep. And then we get the information that Rise of Iron, the development, was started at the beginning of the year, the beginning of this year in January. Uh, But it's a concept that's been in the 
back burner for a while. They've known they wanted to do this for a while. Uh, the raid, by the way, this is confirmed. It takes place literally in the heart of the Plaguelands. Not that we didn't really figure that out from the Guardians running on the wall and the little teaser shots, right? Right. <laughs> and then the key information that got tweeted out by Gathalion, just a small clip it here, was Schreer asking, the live team is now the DLC team, correct? They're one and the same. Barrett responds with, yeah, it's all about the live content updates throughout the course of the year. And then Schreer asks, which is DLC and expansions, right? And then Barrett answers, everything. So this kind of got thrown out of context when people saw that and they're going, hmm, is year three only live team stuff then? Well, not really, because when Barrett says DLC and expansions, that's everything, right? That's all live team. We know expansions aren't live team. Live team is different than the teams that are developing Rise of Iron. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not like the live team is in charge of Rise of Iron. You know, the live team is that, that final point. You know, they're maintaining the current live game. So once Rise of Iron is done with all those other teams... It goes to the live team. They'll test it with the live environment, and then they'll push it out to the live environment. Yeah, and this is what I want to advise people. When you see little clips of interviews like this getting passed around on Twitter and then people freaking out, take the time to find the interview. Read through it so you've got some context, because this one had people going, oh, oh my gosh, year three is going to be a disaster. When really, if you read this full article, that's not what he's saying. So, yeah. uh, sure, ask about updating the old raids when that's going to happen. And their answer basically is they don't want to update those old raids unless they repurpose it and remix them and give us a real reason to go back in there, kind of like with the remix strikes, did he? Yeah, exactly. You know, they want Destiny to move forward as a universe, and going back to Vault of Glass or Crota's End doesn't really make sense on a timeline. Mm-hmm. Then sure asks about when is Fatebringer or the Mythoclast or Vision of Confluence coming back. And he really presses this question hard. Uh, Irk kind of dodges it. And then again, the interviewer asks the question, presses it a little bit more. And Irk gets kind of, <laughs> I think, a little bit tired of being pressed. Remember, this is E3. They've gone through like 12 hours of saying the same, like two minutes of stuff over and over again. And we can kind of assume that the relationship between Bungie and Kotaku is a bit tumultuous after the history of articles Kotaku is published on destiny they're kind of tmz like slinging the dirt but so far that dirt's been pretty correct you know right so what does Irk say after he's being pressed about fate bringer myth of class vision when are they coming back it's a shitty question because we want to have a moment with everyone to be like let's all celebrate together i get it obviously you the interviewer want to make sure that your your audience gets a bunch of cool information but so do we man what i want to, what i will say if you look through the screenshots in the press kit, you'll see some stuff in there. Some people on Reddit have speculated about a returning weapon. Maybe it's accurate. Maybe that's intentionally there to make you th make you think about them. So, Kvostov is the gun they're talking about. Yeah, so in the screenshots that everybody's speculating, we've seen the Kvostov resurface. But, hey, I think it's kind of funny at seeing just a little <laughs> bit like, hey, back off, dude. Look, we can only tell you so much. And we got quite a bit of information from this interview already. Uh, he asked them, Schreer, if they're happy about PvP and PvE weapon balancing being virtually the same and them not balancing the two separately. We've done entire shows talking about this. And they answer, for the most part, yes, although there are targeted changes that Bungie does uh, from PvP to PvE, and sometimes the sandbox team is willing to break the convention so that the two can operate a little bit differently. But the real goal, overall, they want to make sure the muscle memory that you've created when you're playing the campaign works well in PvP. Sparrow Racing League, Diddy. Is it coming back? Why has it not come back? So 
Bungie, they want to bring it back with uh, a reprisal or a refreshed purpose, just like the with the, sh- the Strike remixes. Mm-hmm. Erk said SRL, SRL came about originally as a result of an internal hackathon, which is actually pretty cool. The jukebox as well was part of the hackathon, the kiosks and the uh, colorblind UI as well. Yeah. So that's cool. We didn't know that. It was just somebody setting something up and they're like, hey, let's do this. Let's make this real. But I bet you we'll see SRL updated with some new purpose. But man, I'd be okay with it just coming <laughs> back. Yeah, it's it's officially the Queen's Wrath of year two. You know, they, they tried it out, but it's not going to come back. I don't think we're going to see it before Rise of Iron at this point. With, with yeah. that statement right there, it's not going to come back until year three. Mm-hmm. Well, there's more information in this article, but I think that's the majority of the stuff that we want to cover. What an awesome week, dude. And and what would normally be a content drought week for the other outlets? There's so much going on if you just dig a little bit deeper. And we're really going to start hearing more news after Bungie Day, July 7th. Closing thoughts. Quality over quantity. How do you feel there, man? You know, there definitely has to be some amount of quality, but I would like more quantity as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but part of Bungie's hook, man, they just deliver polished stuff. That's why 2.3, the bugs, felt so out of place. It's like, this isn't like you guys. This isn't mm-hmm. like a Destiny update. With over 40-plus updates, this is the first time I've seen some pretty severe problems, you know? Yeah, there was one thing I wanted to mention, though. Um, it was about, oh my goodness. It was about, oh, the live team almost being in charge of year three. We we've seen the extent of the live team. We've seen their scope with legacy consoles in mind. Hmm. Looking forward, the live team only has to develop for current gen only. So they don't have to test four separate consoles. They can only need to test two. And it's going to be. I think it's going to be a lot different. I think we can anticipate um, optimistically look forward to more frequent live team updates. Totally. On that same vein, Rise of Iron starting development in January of this year. That's about seven months that they have probably mm-hmm. before they have to do the final testing and, and last minute changes. That's kind of a nice time schedule. If they can nail that down to six or seven months and we're getting these Rise of Iron or Taking King like expansions every six months, that maybe next awesome. spring, something yeah. to tide us over before Destiny 2, because now everybody's pretty much on board believing Destiny 2 is going to be next fall. I don't think they'd miss an E3 just to do a spring release, but I don't know. It's all speculation. Where can people find your content? Twitter.com slash Diddy, D-T-S, D-I-T-T-Y, D-T-S, and coming up with Rise of Iron, I'll be at twitch.tv slash Destiny the Show. Make sure to check us out over on our Discord, discord.me slash Destiny the Show. Go check our friends out over at DestinyTracker.com, the best place in the Destiny universe to track your stats. You can go to our website, DestinyTheShow.com, for all the links from today and more. You can follow us on Twitter at DestinyTheShow, and you can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at BBKDragoon. Thanks, guys. Have an excellent week. We'll see you next time with our two-year anniversary. (laughs) 